Be Short Now presents. Welcome to the uh, Vienna Schultz Festival and of course welcome to the VIS Academy and our third program part uh, today which is Met and Unmet Expectations together with Veronika, Franz and Sieven and Fiera. I'm very happy that you are here guys. Um, the talk will be hosted by Neil Young, our dear uh, colleague and programmer as well. Thank you Neil. And just before we start, I also want to tell that uh, this program uh, is also in collaboration with Be Short Now, which is um, a new collaboration which we, s uh, which we started shortly uh, before, a couple of months ago. And um, I would just, I think, read what our aim is because it's kind of otherwise difficult to really have everything in words. Um, Be Short Now is a series of industry events focusing on short films and their festival ecosystem promoted by Encounters Festival, Film Festivalisten, Gijon International Film Festival, Glasgow Short Film Festival, Torino Short Film Market, and Vienna Shorts. Be Short Now aims to tackle and investigate distinctive topics peculiar of the short film industry and to share the knowledge with a wider audience, making this information available for free on internet in the form of video recordings, audio podcasts, and written articles. So we will make sure that you guys also get um, this recorded, but uh, if you need to have, uh, if you want to know more about it, you can find it on our homepage as well as on the beshootnow.com homepage. And now I just want to hand over the mic uh, to Neil, who is also going to say a few words. Uh, thank you, Maria, and uh, thank you everybody for coming on this beautiful, uh, finally spring-like afternoon in Vienna for this afternoon's talk um, with uh, Severin Fiala and Veronica Franz. Uh, as Maria says, I'm Neil Young, I'm uh, one of the programmers from the festival, uh, and it's my great pleasure to be able to talk to these filmmakers who I'm sure you're aware have had a remarkable career over recent years, um, collaborating on several uh, projects of high profile, uh, longer films and also some shorts, we'll talk about that. Uh, we do have a chance uh, at the end of the uh, session for uh, Q&As, so, uh, so if you have any questions please do not be uh, afraid to share them and uh, we will try to answer them. Um, Veronica Franz and uh, Severin Fiala, uh, in their seven years of uh, collaboration since the first uh, fruit of that, Cairn, in 2012, um, their most uh, internationally high-profile uh, collaboration so far is the film Ich Seh, Ich Seh, uh, English title Goodnight Mommy, uh, which I'm sure many of you have seen. It was uh, released uh, all over the world, including uh, here in Austria, and we will talk uh, with the makers of the film about the film's rather unusual uh, course to becoming an international success. Uh, but just to uh, refresh your memories of the film, we will now uh, play the American trailer for the film. So. I will be the lucky person pressing the button. Bear with me.
Please, wel please welcome again the directors, writers, directors of Goodnight Mommy, Veronica Franz, Severin Piala. Hello. <laughs> right, technical problems are over, I think. Everybody's microphone is working. No. no? <laughs> technical problems are never over. We need to switch. Mine is working. It's just because you're talking louder. Yes. I don't need any, actually. <laughs> you can um, have it. I'm afraid the quality player is... Uh, just doing whatever it wants. That's very mean. It's just going on. <laughs> it's possessed it's okay. by some yeah. spirit. It's not what have we? What have we? <laughs> what have we awoken in this cinema? Well, that's actually nice. We always wanted to have, like, to write, uh, like, a horror film which I kind of takes place in a cinema. It was going to be in a multiplex, your version, yes. but, I, but I think we have the new version here. It's, it's, rather, more, it's rather more compact. Right, so I think... If, if it behaves according to script and the doors are locked, no one can get out and we're all get killed. But don't worry, we know the script. We don't need virtual reality. We don't need virtual reality when we have the real thing. So we're, we're taking it to another level at Vienna Shorts. Yeah, anyway, so, <laughs> um, yeah, we showed the trailer there for Goodnight Mommy, and of course, we, w we will go back and uh, we will Sorry. talk about, you know, all of the films that you've done, uh, but maybe just to speak a little bit about that particular trailer, because um, the film uh, had its premiere at Venice uh, Film Festival and got pretty good reviews, as I remember, in Orizzonte. Um and then it was released, and then some strange things started to happen, partly because of this trailer. Maybe you could speak a little bit about how this trailer helped the film kind of get a new second, second wind, a second life. Oh. How did you do that? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, uh, first off, uh, thanks all for, for coming and for being here. Uh, and yeah, I think it's all about like um, unfulfilled expectations in a way or, or wrong expectations or setting out expectations. Because actually the trailer, when we first saw it, we felt um, ooh, we can't do this. This is not actually the film that we did, but it's uh, yeah, it, it's just like setting setting the wrong tone, setting the wrong like even cheating. Like some scenes that are like in the cockroach. trailer, the cockroach being like crunched in the mouth. That's not actually happening, and we're kind of we can't do this. This will set like totally wrong expectations but it kind of um, worked. <laughs> yeah, also the pace would not work because you might know the film is quite slow and it doesn't kind of tell that it's slow. And yeah, so we kind of, so we were surprised. So the film came out actually in Austria and a year later only in the States. And the trailer kind of, you just saw kind of, appeared and I think, I don't know, two or three days later we had like, I don't know how many, a million or million more like, more like yeah. two million clicks or something so actually it went viral and so we never expected that and and ni nor us expected it ni neither did like the like distributors, uh, distributor yeah, yeah. so and actually then people in austria were asking us like when is this movie gonna come out and we said uh, it was, but no one showed up. A year up. ago. <laughs> it was like, even like nearly a year before, and we only had like uh, close to like 10,000 people watching it in Austria, which is not great, obviously. But after it was released in the US, many, many, many people approached us and said, when is this film going to screen? And we said, ah, you missed it. <laughs> I suppose the, the thing is that uh, the, the, we've kind of skipped over one part of it because if, if there are many films which get uh, acclaimed at, at film festivals uh, all the time. Um, but they don't get picked up for distribution in, in other countries. And a, a German language film, a genre film, yeah. with, without an obvious star, without having Christoph Waltz playing some kind of mad axe man, um, this isn't an obvious film for an American distributor yeah, yeah. to take a chance no, actually on. Actually, it was very unusual. Actually, Harvey Weinstein bought it oh, <laughs> back then. Old he still Harvey, existed. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it was, I think it was the first German-speaking film in 20 or 25 years he bought. But it was not him personally it was actually Tom Quinn who uh, who kind of ran Radius which is like the like was a sub sub company of of the Weinstein company and yeah and actually they closed down while they were kind of marketing the film so actually this like Goodnight Mummy was the last film they released and, and it went really well actually yes. but nevertheless Weinstein closed them down <laughs> and I think we have like grown a reputation of uh, closing down <laughs> companies like every time we do a film we're very much afraid that people are like gonna like uh, just uh, getting fired and stop working for the company same like with the lodge where we're working with hammer film like very like um, legendary film. company yeah, um, and yeah they kept getting smaller and smaller and then we met in a i mean they told us it was their office but actually it was the office of the daily mail and they were just like sneaking in some conference room and kept telling us they had rented it and it's their office but actually um 
I, I don't mean, the, think so. The Daily Mail is an even greater horror than Hammer films, it has to be said, in terms of their <laughs> yeah, political content. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, so, yeah, so the, the, to, to get picked up, and then, as you say, the, the, this trailer is made by the distributor. It's yeah. made yes, entirely without your input. They don't yeah. say to you, No, but what it was like? based on, actually, what was interesting is it was based on our Austrian trailer. So we already, it was us and a friend, we kind of, we worked on a trailer which was released here. And they took that trailer and made it like uh, actually better, I think. <laughs> and the and when it was shown in Venice, the title was the English title was already "Good Night, yes. Mommy." And yeah, that was like the the world sales um, guy. He uh, said, "Artist, I know I have the title. I have the title. It's Good Night, Mommy." And we're like, "No, that's not a good title." And he was very much believing in it and. Obviously, also had the right to choose <laughs> the title, so we could. And we had it. we had no other idea. I mean, we had many ideas, but yeah, no, hundreds, no better but idea. Not, I think no great idea. Yes. Because uh, the original German title "Exe Exe" is from yeah. the. It's like "I Spy with My Little Eye." Yes, but the, it doesn't translate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is. I too Spy long. is has also <laughs> has also been used. Yeah, we had by I Spy, Murphy, I yeah. Spy. No, we had yeah. I Spy Two, yeah. I Spy, I Spy. So we had like. Yeah, yeah. Holly, Hollywood. We had fun, but no title. Hollywood had already jumped in with a with an earlier I Spy, which would have been rather different. So so. Confusion. Yeah, the Eddie Murphy, the one, Eddie Murphy yeah. one. So, so maybe now we can go back and, and rewind slightly to, to to seven years ago, and actually eight year, eight or nine years ago, because obviously both Severine and Veronica have made films uh, independently of each other and have um, filmographies which are which are there and which are full of interesting movies. But for the purpose of this talk, we're going to concentrate, because time is limited, uh, we're going to concentrate on the films that you made together, uh, which consists uh, officially of uh, Cairn in 2012, Exe Exe 2014, uh, Die Trude, which is the short film which we're showing in Vienna Shorts this year, which is part of the field Guide to Evil, and your, as you mentioned there, your upcoming uh, feature-length film, The Lodge, which is the English language, um, we can call it a thriller, horror, suspense film, I haven't seen it, um, which was premiered to very good reactions at Sundance. Uh, so those, that's the official filmography. I, I hear there's, a, there's something else, but we can get onto that. We can get onto that. There's, 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 there's always some hidden, <laughs> hidden magic. Um, so, uh, the, but the hidden film is after Cairn, is that correct? Or the hidden film is before Cairn? Actually, it was after Cairn. I mean, because I think, like, uh, to take a step back, Veronica and me, we never planned on having, like, a career in film. It was always about being interested in specific things. So the first collaboration was, like, Cairn, like a film that only 400 people have seen. It was the least successful <laughs> film of the year when it came out. Um, and we, like, even after, like, having success with other films, we re-released it in Germany. There were, like, four people in the audience. But that was on two uh, different days. We had like two Q and A's uh, with uh, two people. Yeah, it was like one yeah, on one. one, on one. Um, so that film wasn't really successful, but that was for no means like the reason for doing it. We didn't want to have like success. Uh, or a blockbuster, whatever. We wanted to make a film on Peter Kern, oh. who Veronica got to know at the film festival, and he's like a fascinating and at times uh, mean and difficult um, character in a way. And as we always love difficult characters, we fell in love and felt, okay, let's do a film without thinking that people either don't know him or they hate him if they know him. <laughs> so no one showed up to watch the film, but nevertheless, we are proud to have made it. 
and Goodnight Mommy afterwards also wasn't a career plan. It was just a distraction for fun, like just to write the script to because while clear editing our heads. Karen, we yeah. had the idea for the script. So wow. then, because we made Karen together, with we we kind of said, okay, why not trying to also make Goodnight Mommy together? So yeah. And in between that, like just to make sure or to ensure that it doesn't look like a career plan, we <laughs> made it. We made another film, like a short film that's kind of secret. I don't know if anyone saw it. Uh, it's called Dreh und Trink, <laughs> uh, which is a drinking game movie, kind of, <laughs> where people are sitting in the basement, including us. Yes, we are part of it, of course. And getting drunk, and we wanted to show, like, just for like, maybe for you to lose any respect, any respect <laughs> of us. <laughs> we wanted to show the first, uh, the first few minutes of that, and then continue about like maybe your expectations or ours. But we seem to be, <laughs> be rather limited when it comes to expectations. I try to start it. If it never stops, then you can enjoy 30 minutes of constant vodka drinking. If we can't stop it, we'll you stop it after. Usually, we give actually usually before showing it, we give vodka. We give out vodka for the audience too. So this is not possible now. So we are not going to show the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. So it's actually you're the first sober audience <laughs> of all times to witness the first uh, minutes of. Um, If I can start it. Or something. <laughs> no. We're close, actually. Maybe no. <laughs> no, no, no. Ja, ich 
glaube, ja, und ich glaube, ich werde nicht einmal dazu kommen, ob da anzufangen, bevor es vorbei ist. Wird das gefallen? <lacht> ja. ja, ich fürchte. Ja. <lacht> das war eine blöde Idee. <lacht> Na wirklich. Jetzt kechert sich die Beine nach. Ist das mal richtig schnapp schmeckt der? Nein, wirklich. Darf ich noch einmal? Nein. Ich schaue nicht aus wie eine alte Frau, ich schaue aus wie eine junge Frau. Ich schaue nicht normal. Schaue ich aus wie eine alte Frau, wenn ich sauber Nein, warum? Ich hat die Jennifer Wirklich? Nein, sie macht nämlich so, pass auf. Habe ich das diesmal gemacht? Ja, und dann schenkt sie dir ein. Ja, und dann machst du nämlich so, pass auf. Ein guter Nein, ich habe ich hab dich leider nicht angeschaut. Der ist doch grauslich. Ja, ist aber, du musst nicht Nein, nein, nein! Das ist ein Muskel. Nein, nein, nein! Ich bin auch ein... Nein! Ja, das ist doch ein Muskel. Ja, jetzt... Ja, schenk Oh nein! Nicht am Mikrofon herumreiben. Ich glaube, meine Babys wollen raus. Jetzt schon, ach so, na, Entschuldige, also, entschuldige. Die Babys? Ja. Du schaust nicht viel an TV, oder? Nein. Die Babys sind die, 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 sind, meinst, sind die Brüste. Ah, wer nimmt die so? Naja, nein. nein. Tare von Saturday Night Fever. Ah. Die nennt sie Babys. Ja, die nennt es die Babys. Und sie hat dann immer so, ich trinke jetzt einmal. Okay. Ich bin langsam. Lampen ist auch schön. Ja, aber Lampen. Voll bei Lampen. 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 Finde ich so nicht Ah, nein. Naja, das passt. Komm her. Bleib stehen. Bist du sicher jetzt oder? Ja, ich bin das nicht. Das ja. ist unentschieden. Na gut, dann darf ich endlich mal. Ja. Toll. Sorry, we stopped. Stop. I think we get the general idea. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, but you get the general idea, but not the ultimate consequences. Ah. So it is as a, a horror element develops as bodily fluids start to uh, emerge. Actually, no one could remember. Ah, but <laughs> there might be horror involved. But the, 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 the there were eight people, and I think only two like drank. <laughs> the, cam the camera reveals all. This is the problem with these drinking games because if only two people are drinking, then the others are sitting in happy sobriety. But. Uh, This film was never submitted anywhere, it never went to festivals, and that, w that was primarily a technical issue to do with the subtitles, because of too many people yeah, it talking. It was too easy to make the subtitles, that oh. was like because everyone's like just shouting uh, at the same time, and it's really difficult to subtitle, I think, so we never managed, and that's oh. why it doesn't be shown. But and we shot it in the basement of Ulrich Seidel. I mean, this is this uh -huh. we have to keep secret. In the Kel Im Keller von Seidel. <laughs> yes. yes. This is the precursor of Im Keller. <laughs> yeah, but I think it shows it's for us. It's more about the, the process and more about the, like the idea or the thing than about like success or a strategy oh. or having a film there or there or there. And I think actually and ultimately that really helped us with um, our first English language film and with uh, American producers because they're used to uh, be able to blackmail people with money. They always do. They say, 
because they think you're just like working for them they're paying for you which is technically of course right well, they own you in a way <laughs> yeah they, they believe they own you but uh, they didn't own us because they said okay but if you're not gonna do this we're not gonna pay you and we said, okay then don't oh. pay us it's not about the money <laughs> actually and we even gave back parts of our like salary uh, because we're always about making the film the way it, we believe at least it needs to be made uh, even if that reduces our salary or won't give us any fame at all that's not what it's about because this I mean this could be described as an experimental film in some ways because you made it not knowing what would happen not knowing what would turn out chance is, a, is an element here um, and again in terms of industry and expectations and having a career in film in retrospect one can one can look at your the, the career that you've done with your films and say oh this is a career plan this was the path and the, and then they made an english language film they had the big hit but of course i think we i think we've established that that was not uh, in any way i mean it, it also accidental in some ways you know it's this is the way that the bottle that the camera has turned and it's, and it's ended up the way it is <laughs> um, so people who want a sort of playbook or a, or a or a roadmap of how to end up you know getting an offer from netflix i mean maybe you two aren't the ones to ask that but that's obviously a good thing because i think t your independence as filmmakers seems to be a very important uh, matter and actually we think that's that's the only thing because i think there is no way of making sure that you will get an offer from netflix or whatever or universal or whatever uh, big company but i think uh, stick to what you believe is right because i think they also see that it kind of makes you special or unusual for their system and that's what they're looking for so if you try to have the perfect plan to follow it behave according to whatever you believe might be expected of you you have a pretty good chance of not ending up making a film there i think oh. you have to stick to what you believe is right and then they at least at the first glance think okay that's fresh that's new we want this then they get afraid but that's we can discuss that later <laughs> <laughs> the real fear so xxa as you say it, it started off as a you know as a, as a fun diversion as an exercise but you know once it's got to the point where you're casting and you're, you're finding locations which i know is a very important aspect for you i mean obviously at that point you must have expectations of how the film is going to play in europe we have a wonderful network of genre festivals which uh, i know that here we have slash film and you know, in the Netherlands and all, and Sitges, and there is a whole galaxy of, of, of you, you could just spend your whole life going to these genre festivals. I mean, was it your idea that this film obviously would go to those festivals, but then to then get Horizonte and then to have a whole different life, uh, was that a big shock for you? I don't know. I, I, the same again. It just happened. It played at, at art house film festivals and at genre film festivals. Uh, I mean, we have to say we prefer the genre film festivals personally <laughs> because we experience that people in at genre film festivals are kind of very open. They are even more open than like like the crowd uh, which attend like art house film festivals because they always expect something like art or whatever they think art is. And genre film like uh, people or audience are like very open, even if it comes even even if it comes to like very strange fo forms so they are open and they kind of really yeah they 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 I mean, that's a, a mean thing to say maybe <laughs> but they seem to be more open to art than, than art house film audiences yes. in a way 
because they really embrace because it's labeled horror they embrace it anyway and they're really like open to to see what could be in there and really to feel yeah. something so different forms yeah. of we really liked it but we didn't expect anything because like i don't know as as many of you might be filmmakers as well i think the honest answer is till like after the premiere a filmmaker has like no idea if the film sucks <laughs> or if it's any good so we were just like oh my god oh my god we have to like we have to turn this around we have to make a film that people won't hate that we don't hate and we're like so stuck trying to get this like a movie that we ourselves would enjoy to watch that we didn't even i think it's you're too close it's very hard to say so we didn't expect anything we didn't expect horror film festivals or venice or nothing at all we just tried to save our asses in a way I mean, you, I think you probably expected more than 400 people to see it. So, you, so moving on from Cairn, it's like, you know, this film has a, has a wider appeal. I mean, people who know Peter Cairn will be very interested to see the film, whereas this film is, is obviously has a, has a wider potential. Uh, but that doesn't mean it's going to connect with the audience. And as we know, there are many great films which we never hear about anymore. They Actually, it didn't connect to the audience, at least not in Europe. So mm. th it's not only like it was not... I mean, we, we, we talked about it were only 10,000 uh, like people watching it here in Austria, but it was as bad in Germany, in, I don't even know, in worse. France, even worse in Germany, in France, in wherever it kind of was released, it was not a success because, I mean, there are like kind of various... Uh, um, <laughs> Which is, I think, mainly... Interpretation, yeah. I think, yeah. On the one hand, successes, of course, interpretation. <laughs> uh, and on the other hand, I think it's always a question of, of uh, marketing. And we have to, to say, like, honestly, that in Austria, if we look at it, like films, Austrian films, they're released, they get like funding by, by the state, like for their release. And it's a very, very small amount of money. And compared to the US, where they basically spend as much money as the budget of the film is just for PR, just for like promoting it. In Austria, it's like maybe let's, it's, let's say 5% of the budget and not the, the, the same. So that is uh, for sure one reason why Austrian like moviegoers, they don't even realize that the film is out there because they are not aware and not a lot is done to, to change that which is kind of sad and one reason why many great local films here are not um, are not seen. Plus genre films don't have that like tradition to be like you're used to watch kind of American genre films, American horror films, English speaking like thrillers and you're not I mean like in Austria like film like the film genre which is very successful here is actually the comedy. So if you have a crime comedy, that would be successful. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I think it, that also has something to do with it because yeah, in the States and then also in South America, which was very, I mean, it, it was interesting where it was successful and where it wasn't. Uh, good night, mommy. So in the States and in South America, it was very successful actually, like compared to. And eventually got to, I think in 2016, Brazil, Japan, Turkey. Yes. Uh, but it took a while for the, yeah. to get to those places. Yeah. How did it do in Japan? In Japan, they can go crazy for... We had a, Actually, we had a crazy poster, yeah, right? The Jap poster Japanese poster is the best uh, one. <laughs> I don't know how it did actually, how, how it went there. I mean, it really did well, as Veronica said, in 
Latin America, mm -hmm. South America, which was like fun because I was just like googling for fun and then realized that in Venezuela we were like number two of the of <laughs> the box office uh, thing and we're like, huh? How did that happen? Because we didn't even have a distributor there. <laughs> it was yeah, it was actually the Mexicans uh. who, who like who didn't pay. I won't say anything, but. It, paid close to nothing to release the film in Mexico where it made like one and a half millions I think and then they released it all over Latin America and were really successful which I only know of from the internet and the title in Latin did, did they use the English language title or did they have it um, adios mama or something, or buenas noches yeah. mama. <laughs> mama buenas noches mamacita yes. <laughs> usually they do yeah. I think only the Russians they yeah. translated these so. yeah. well, m Mother issues are always big in uh, in Latin America, but of course, w w when we talk about how a film does, and in terms of, with respect to our Latin friends, um, when we talk about how a film is doing in box office and how it's doing in cinemas, of course, these days that's only part of the of the story, and especially with genre films, we know that many films make their money eventually through um, downloads and DVDs, Blu-rays in certain territories and things like that. Was that something that when you were approached by the sales companies, the sales agents and all that kind of thing, did you get a, like a complicated contract which says you get 10% of DVD and all that kind of thing? And were, were you thinking this, this could be a way? We don't get... <laughs> no, actually, I think it, it, was, it was shortly before all of that happened. So actually, it's kind of more we are discussing it now with the large, the kind of like the American kind of distributor also says, okay, maybe we release it at the same time. We kind of have it on platforms to download it. They did that with It Follows, actually. No? Yeah, we did that. No, said for releases. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, but we are discussing it now, right? Is it yeah, a secret? Is it? Oh. Yeah, like, like a little bit. Wow. Yeah. We're getting into commercially sensitive uh, areas. So, uh, what's we're your not, favorite film? We're not, <laughs> not allowed to talk about okay. any of this. Right. But going, back to, go, but going back specifically to, to Goodnight Mommy XAXA, you were just sort of slightly ahead of that uh, thing where, you know, the, the, the revenue streams and the platforms and all that, which, as I say, can rapidly become very, you know, you need lawyers and you need representatives mm -hmm. and all that kind of thing. And I know very few filmmakers who revel in poring over the, the minute details that they get in these, in these sorts of areas. But as, a genre, as, as filmmakers who have made genre films, that is often the salvation of a genre film because you can rely on getting certain amounts of uh, exposure down the line. Got some yeah. agents and <laughs> yeah, that was like we should say representatives and lawyers and stuff. Of course, we didn't have any of uh, any of those because we never planned on doing anything like outside of Austria. We felt rather, and we have still, we can say that it was really a luxury of producing the film here. We had like all the freedom like a filmmaker could possibly wish for. We think. So we felt, okay, why would we go like um, outside of Austria? And the only answer to this is because like so many agents kept writing us and they got on our nerves so badly and we felt kind of, um, I don't know, obliged to answer the mails. We felt, okay, this is unpolite if we don't answer the mails. And it was like uh, 30, 40 mails a day. And then we, after like several weeks, were like, Okay. okay, we're not working anymore, we're just answering mails of agents. Maybe we can turn this around and stop it by just picking any agent. Like any one of those, we pick anyone and then they will stop. 
um, we did and it stopped for a week <laughs> and then it started with uh, they started scoring scripts. scripts at us like hundreds of scripts which all sucked but we felt obliged to read them <laughs> to write really like pages and pages of notes without knowing that actually no one ever cares it <laughs> was a huge misunderstanding we felt okay they are offering us the script we have to show some take respect. it seriously we have to take yeah. it seriously we have to write back we have to invest thought and actually no one ever does um, we did for some time Sounds so like you learned the system like like we learned it like yeah. a steep learning curve yeah which uh, <laughs> A lot of sweat and effort, which, yeah. which you then get to some point on the learning curve. Yeah. I mean, the obvious thing that happens when an English uh, a film that's not in English is, is a success in any way is that, is that the word remake starts to yeah. get shouted. Yeah. And, and I remember as soon as Goodnight Mommy was, was getting the success, and it was, I mean, I think I'm right in saying it was at one point in the Oscar list, it was mm -hmm. in the sort of the, the, the medium-sized list, um, and got very close to being, to being nominated for an Oscar, which, which would have been an incredible thing for a, for the, for a genre film. Um, and sometimes filmmakers want to do the remake themselves, uh, The Spectre of the Vanishing hangs over this, and uh, Sporlust, poor old George Schleiser, which is held up as the, the giant disaster. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it can work. I mean, was it ever something that you would consider, because obviously there was a remake talked about, I don't know what the latest situation no, is with that. They, they work on it. Uh -huh. It's like, uh, yeah, there is, a, there is a plan to do that. Mm -hmm. There are two script writers now, like one script writer and one director. They're kind of attached to it and there's a, a production company and actually the first thing they ask us if we want to do it. Because uh, this was in the aftermath of uh, Let the Right One In, which then yeah, <coughs> was remade right. reasonably successfully. Yes. Uh, not, it, not a huge hit, it was but not it, a bad film, like yeah, it sort of did. It was a respectable yeah. performer. Yeah. But I, I mean, I'm guessing that you would never have had any interest no. in doing it. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. They kept asking us, but it was like yeah. making a film is so much work and like going through it again, knowing what you have to go through, mm. I think <laughs> that's just too much. Yeah. And even, even Mr. Haneker had some some problems. I mean, I actually personally think Funny Games US is a very good film, but it's seen as this uh, mistake in yeah, his but, career, which... But I think he's a sportsman, and he, his motive was to kind of prove the world he can do it the same, like, twice. Mm. And we so it was no accident, I'm really that good. Yes, mm. so like this. <laughs> so we are not interested in that. So. I think Hitch Hitchcock pulled it off with the man who knew too much, but it's, mm. it's a hazardous yeah, thing. It's even, I mean... Both films are yeah. great, but I like the remake even better. But it has Doris Day, which mm. of course. Yes. <laughs> um, and beautiful footsteps in the, the blue footsteps from the paint mm. in the market. I really liked it. And am I correct in saying you are connected with the remake in some sort of executive producing capacity? Is that still going to happen? So. Um, yeah. so, the, so that's the one thing that happens is that you get approached to do a remake yeah. and then the next one is that like you know what have you got what projects do you have and as you say you then get inundated with, with agents and things you, you, didn't, you didn't kind of meet the agents in person it was just a simple case of spinning a bottle and, and no no we did they, yeah. they, they get kind of yeah we picked the ones that kind of tried to bribe us with alcohol uh, <laughs> and Aperol. And Aperol, and we just went for them. Maybe it was a mistake, but... No, it's are you, are you still with them? Yeah. yeah. Oh, so that's a good Till thing. Till they fire us, yeah. because we declined too many scripts. I mean, I think it's also something that certainly people, at the when they're beginning in the industry or in their early days, 
you know, the, the specter of the agent. You know, you can't succeed without having an agent. You must have an agent. And this is true whether you're, whether you're an author, whether yeah. you're, a, you know, whatever you are, a photographer. I mean, do you think it is the case that it's impossible to have a... Have to make a living from it without an agent. Do you know yes. anybody? Do you know anybody that that plays just goes around? But this thing? is the system they have. So if I mean over there, yes. Over there, yes. Here Europe, it's possible. It's no problem. But, but it's it, to get any sort of attention with with American producers, you need to go. You need to have an agent representing you. Yeah, they set meetings, and they they if they're good, they also th they they know who is good. And we did not have, or we still have, no experience. We we have not knowledge enough. Uh, like oh. of those people so but they kind of know who is good and who would kind of oh. share what we are have in mind and who would kind of yeah who is trustworthy so oh. yeah so we have yeah. and I, mean, I think i mean what everybody has been telling us in the extreme in the most extreme case you could maybe go for some time without an agent but never without a lawyer <laughs> because th that's the one negotiating the deals and uh, you can't possibly do that yourselves and we went for a actually we went for the guy we got an email and that just said and that's really all it said hi guys my name is Carl I'm an entertainment lawyer if you should ever need one <laughs> and then we, we then he told us that his grandmother was German yeah and he tried to swear in German <laughs> and the next thing was because he was also doing the movie Ted somehow he's like uh, the director's uh, lawyer and he had the original Ted Bear and he was doing the first Skype that we did as Ted Bear talking. so we were looking at the bear and the bear was we talking we thought this is our guy in German <laughs> and we were like this guy's nuts <laughs> we like nuts people yeah and you're still and actually the first really Auftrag was this Auftrag I don't know the, the first kind of deal uh, the first deal we really had uh, like in the states was also by accident because like agents set some meetings so we met this producer called michael de luca um he's kind of a like i don't know very claimed producer over there uh, so everyone kind of kind of who hears his name kind of praise or I don't know it's very strange uh, and so we, we kind of was the first producer actually we met and we Sorry, were very we, excited we have to start a Nervous. tiny bit earlier because he of course as every US producer how no matter how nice he is he has you wait in yes. his like you yes, always have to wait, wait. wait you always have to wait till he's ready and we're sitting there and it was our first meeting and we're kind of nervous and Veronica was kind of okay I have no idea if nothing ever comes out of it, I want to have something and then you Which reminds me from here. Yes. And she stole, stole the ashtray. ashtray. <laughs> I never knew. <laughs> then we met him and it turned out to be rather actually successful, also accidentally, because he did, he produced the Captain Phillips film with Tom Hanks, um, the one on the container ship. And we're having a project uh, also set on a container ship and we're just like innocently asking you did this film on this boat. How did How you get did the you boat? Yeah, was it difficult? Tell us. It was it really was just like, like oh. why do you want to know? And we're like, ah, we're thinking about the story. And said, what's the story? And then we actually like only said like two sentences. And he said, okay, send me a page on that. And the next thing was actually that Universal bought the whole thing, uh, which, and <laughs> which we warned them. We really warned them several times and said, 
they don't Are know what sure? they're getting into. <laughs> it's like they're not gonna like it. And actually, we have to say we are very bad at pitching. I mean, th the only very thing you bad. have to be able of, like in, in this system, is to pitch your ideas and to kind of sell yourself and promote yourself. And uh, we are kind of honest and we are kind of not uh, a little so bit ironic. We might not be good for the job. That's yeah. the first thing we yeah. do. <laughs> so we are like the opposite of what they understand what pitching means. Um, so we kind of, uh, so we, we pitched it by accident, actually, because we just <laughs> wanted to have some information. You've got, you got a Hollywood film by accident. This is the career path. This is called The Fortress. Is this the project yeah, called yeah. The Fortress? Yeah. We're still writing. So that's going to come along. But when you met Mike DeLuca, you knew that he wrote In the Mouth of Madness, yes. I'm guessing. Yes. Yes. So, but he's a very shy. He's very shy. We, we told him that this is like. Well, I mean, it's his. It's his one. It's his film. one screenwriting credits. The only film he's yeah. ever written, which yeah. is John Carpenter's *In the Mouth of Madness*, which is a fantastic yeah. homage to H.P. Lovecraft, yeah. of all things. Perfect filmography. Yeah. Like this guy's the perfect yeah. filmography. And also, he's kind of. He's also kind of crazy as well. So I mean, he's. But I think he's settled. He's he settled down now. But in his early part of his career, he would do things at parties, which in Hollywood would be regarded as uh, unacceptable, shall we say. But anyway, enough Hollywood, enough Hollywood <laughs> gossip about Mike DeLuca. Um, so, yeah, so XAXA, and yeah. that establishes uh, genre credentials and yes. genre chops. You're then approached, uh, I think, pretty soon while this film was having its success to do uh, Detroit, which is the film that we're showing uh, in this festival, uh, Field Guide to Evil, which is an anthology uh, by a New Zealand producer who'd done the ABCs of Death. Yes. And in this one, he kind of made it a, a more specific because each each section in the film is based on a a, a real mythology in the country Folk where the tale. directors are from yes is this correct and you yes. so what happened with that you they just contacted you and said here's a perfect one this is the no of course of course not of course it was like like the usual story as, like as it happened to us so far and it's just more of the same actually because he was in vienna like at the slash film festival and timson the producer and there was like a pitching workshop somehow with him we and we, we, have to yeah, we attended because we wanted on the one hand to exercise <laughs> because we're very bad at pitching on the other hand we felt okay if there is no one around it's gonna be embarrassing for marcus like who is a dear friend of ours so we were just there and then of course nobody wanted to pitch like there was this yeah moment there were like a few people only did. very few people yeah. and there was this moment where nothing was going on and we said okay let's pitch like some new abcs of that episode because we had thought of two and felt they were like really great and we told Ann timpson and he was super excited and said yeah this is really good but, but it's already existing <laughs> I was like fuck what <laughs> so, yeah no th that film exists and then we were like okay okay we, we have, have another, another one, one. <laughs> <laughs> plan B. Always have yeah. a plan B. This yeah. is a good, yeah. a good, a good. Sometimes uh, plan B is not enough. Ah. Always have a plan C. Yeah, yeah, we didn't have plan C, but plan B also did exist. So we oh. pitched two films that were already <laughs> existing. I don't know how that could have happened. Uh, and then we kind of just said, okay, we write you something. We write something <laughs> else because we felt offended that we could only come up with stuff yes. that somebody else had already made. So we said, okay, we're gonna do something. And then Ant said, okay, there is this, uh, wrote us that there is this kind of anthology project about local myth. And we felt, okay, Austria, that's a great place for, there are so many sagen, like uh, tales and stuff. And we felt we're easily going to find something. There is the homepage, uh, sagen.at, uh, which uh, assembles uh, 
there were 10,000 uh, local tales and myths and we we're like okay one of those and we started reading and reading and reading and reading and reading and only after like hundreds and thousands realized okay it's not that exciting it's mainly it's mainly stories about some farmers whose horse lost uh, like a horseshoe at some point and that's where this place now is plus, very special plus the budget wasn't like that big that we could kind of afford to I mean, there are some great uh, folk tales, of course, but we only had like 15, like 12 minutes originally, and we had like I don't know, uh, 25,000 dollars to to yeah to make that. So you know, every every costume, of course. So we we knew pretty soon that it should kind of take place in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> with a few people <laughs> naked <laughs> to save on to save on the budget <laughs> yeah. to save on the budget yeah. if it's good yeah. enough, if it's good enough for Tarkovsky um, we are going to show a clip from the film we're going to try yeah. to show a clip from the film but before we do that maybe you could just sort of briefly summarize what what the myth is what is the actual uh, nub of the myth before before we see a little bit of it yeah actually like we also found this kind of accidentally or let's say let's stop calling it accidentally maybe it's just like oh, how yeah. it's meant to be in a way because we visited like not finding a myth we visited the twins from good night mommy uh and her mother their mother uh, because we really liked them that was all and then we told them or the mother that we needed to find some kind of a local tale or stuff and she told us about the tooth and said that was the one she was always most scared of and she told us and we immediately knew okay that's the thing we're gonna do um, and it's basically I mean I think it's like as every good tale connected to reality because it's um, I think for real it's if you do something bad or at least think you do something bad or commit a crime or a sin then your bad consciousness is gonna haunt you in a way and you're not able to sleep and you maybe even have some kind of pain in the chest because your bad consciousness is so bad and people back then explained it with a with a monster, monster in a way that comes at night that sits on your chest and punishes suffocates you suffocates you and suffocates you yeah. in a way um, to punish you for your sins uh, and the, this uh, creature is called the truth and we really thought okay there is nothing that's potentially more Austrian than <laughs> <laughs> having your bed punishing for sins <laughs> as a monster okay so should we see a little little bit just a second Just a second, sorry. <laughs> we can reenact it. Um, because there are only two excerpts and both seem to not really represent what I've just told you. <laughs> so we very we picked them very well. It would be um, nice to, nice to see either of them really, just to get a flavour yeah, of the film because it is showing as part of the program. So just to. We start with something, uh, and it's um, it's like the protagonist. She um, fell in love with another girl, which is back then considered like really big sin. And then in the night she can't sleep because she's afraid that the truth might come. Uh, I'll show you the whole thing. 
possibly. Was sperrst du ein? Yeah, that definitely gives us a, a flavor without giving too much away of the, of the plot. And the film is part the of... The monster. And the monster, yeah, we don't see the monster. The film, the film is part of the festival. Is it showing tomorrow. again? Tomorrow. So make sure you can see the whole thing tomorrow. Um, obviously, with a project like this, a portmanteau, where you're dealing with several directors working on the project, I'm guessing that you wouldn't get involved with such a project if you didn't have kind of control over the final version and a guarantee of not being interfered with too much and um, to be able to operate independently. Again, I think that's the watchword here. Would that be fair to say that you were able to, to manage your expectations by establishing the ground rules? No. Oh. <laughs> I mean, we managed to, but I think not by establishing any rules. And I think that's also true for like our bigger, more commercial American film, The Lodge, because I think producers especially ones from, I don't know, 
from America, like at least from our experience, they promise you lots of things and they would ever always say you're gonna have complete control, freedom, whatever, but you can't have it in the contract because that's too difficult, blah, 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 blah. And then it always ends up uh, being like a fight in a way. You have to stand up for what you believe is right. And I think that was easier in the short film, but still uh, nothing's granted. They told us, but they also did for the, for the feature film, like the American one, but you always have to fight and you always have to convince them and you really have to stay true to what you believe is right for the film. And that's never easy, also for the short film, because like our short film was um, not 11 minutes, uh, what it should have been, but 19 minutes. And then they said like, okay, that's not possible. And like the, the Turkish director, um, Can Evrenoy, he had like a similar problem. His film was also by far too long and he cut it down because they told him it's not possible to have a film that long. And, um, yeah, I think we were expected to do the same, but just didn't because we felt, okay, this is going to butcher our movie and we're not going to do this. And we came, I mean, it worked. Uh, and the film is like 90 minutes long now, um, but it's always a fight. Um, maybe we can move on to the lodge because yes. we do have uh, time yes. is, is uh, ticking away, yes. as always. We start a little bit late, so we'll, we'll probably finish a little bit late. Um, the Lodge, which I haven't seen, uh, shot in Canada, an American-British production, as you say, working with Hammer, the legendary, yes. what, the, the, the most famous horror brand in the history of cinema, probably. Yes. Um, stars Riley Keough, who's one of the, the top, um, I think one of the most talented Actresses, she's, she's in American Honey. Um, she was uh, breakout in that, and uh, I think she's on the verge of being like a big, big star. She also happens to be the granddaughter of Elvis Presley. Mm -hmm. uh, but the fact that she's not using, <laughs> she's calling herself, you know, she's not calling herself Riley, Riley Presley. I think that tells us all we need to know. You also have Alicia Silverstone uh, in a smaller role for the, for, for the many legions of admirers of Clueless. Um, so was this because you had casting carte blanche? So you said we've got to get Riley, we've got to get Alicia. Or did they, or did, were they kind of given to you by, by higher powers? Now we've been talking for over an hour, and you still believe in carte blanche? <laughs> <laughs> I'm an innocent. No, it's never carte blanche, uh, and I think it's just like in in that system, you're not even like um, usually allowed to to audition people it's just like they send you clips of what everything they have done already and then you're supposed to decide from those clips and then skype with the people and find out if it's gonna work out but you're not actually gonna meet them or audition them or meet like um, i mean even if the like we have two kids in the in the movie playing brother and sister and we're like insisting on the two of them to meet uh, because we felt okay, it's impossible to have brother and sister and they haven't even talked to each other before the shoot. But they said, no, it's not possible. And then we kind of invented something like a Skype uh, Organized audition. a Skype audition, like, all together. Oh. Yeah. Like, which was like, the situation was that the brother was at the boarding school and had birthday and yeah. the sister was calling him like, on Skype. So it was a Skype-Skype casting situation. And that worked pretty well, and actually it um, really told us lots of things that producers did not expect, because they wanted to have two different children and felt they're mm -hmm. perfect, and 
we could agree because they looked like brother and sister they were very similar but still we wanted to see like see them together and the girl that we picked uh, with the boy now he's much more active which might not be like um like maybe his real sister would be as uh, introverted and lethargic as, as he is but for a movie that's just like boring because nothing's really going on so we needed somebody to keep pushing him to make like the scene develop and work and that we could only find out with the casting which producers didn't even want it to, to allow us in the first place and then when we kind of told them our decision they were kind of really shocked. They said, no, they, 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 we should reconsider. And this is not like, she's not good enough, like the girl. And we were like shocked too, because we were like, you know, it's the first English speaking film. So we thought, okay, they are Americans, they are British. So they might hear something we don't, we don't hear, you know, we are not, we are from Austria. So it's like, maybe they see or hear something we don't sense. I mean, this is all about, we are not that self-confident in that moment. It's a, it's a very kind of difficult decision, but you know, lucky us we are too. <laughs> and, and plus we kind of sent the, the clips like uh, friends of, of ours, like two friends in Austria uh, from from whom we knew they would they would be very honest and they, they know like what good actresses are. <laughs> and so they kind of also told us that they liked her better. So we kind of so we hold kind of we kind of took that <laughs> and uh, yeah fought for that girl. But it was really difficult because the, the Americans and the British were against her. And like in the end, they were very kind of, when we shot the film, then they kind of almost, they invented her. Like, okay, this, <laughs> she's so great. And okay, yeah, she's so great. <laughs> yeah. And with the other actresses and actresses, it's kind of, I think it's, it's very much about instinct. If you're not allowed to, yeah. uh, to audition even more about instinct. And we have to say that, for example, for the, the lead, there was another another actress who had quite some uh, big roles now and she really wanted to do it and she was like we met her in person she was super well prepared she had like this whole journal like yes. preparing for the part already before even uh, meeting us and then like the same day we had a skype with riley and she was like i mean she <laughs> She slept. Uh, yeah, like on she drugs. She slept through this like guy. Sky, she I think she really fell asleep. She didn't know what <laughs> we were talking about. <laughs> but she we didn't know us. Uh, she didn't pretend to have know seen anything? our film yeah. or know anything about the She project. was very honest, actually. We liked that, I think. <laughs> yeah, and the sad thing is, like for the other actress at least, or maybe not, maybe she's lucky not to have played the part. But uh, the sad thing is that Riley was right and we knew it. We felt, okay, that's her because she has something inside of her that's right for the part and we didn't like ask her about her life story or alicia silverstone or riley's father who actually plays a part in the movie like her actual so daniel q now plays a part um but they turned out to really share um huge like maybe traumas in a way which we didn't know which actually we didn't know, but our characters <laughs> also have so but it we felt like it mm -hmm. they were like oh I grew up in such a cult. Uh, that's exactly like my childhood. Like Riley's father said, we were like, huh? And he couldn't. He couldn't even like nearly. He couldn't act because it was touching him so much. Because he knew everything. <laughs> he knew he was like it was like coming home for him, and we had no idea. It was just like a feeling in a way. And I think we also learned that we, or every director, should 
trust his feeling because um, other than producers, I think they they're really great. They're really great. Selling it. Yeah, they're really great at their job, but they have to they have to listen to other people who are also good at their job. And I think having a good instinct is a large part of of a director's job in a way um, to find out without having too much time or resources which people are right to collaborate on the film. And I think we would fight for that even harder next time because we learned that our instinct really isn't that bad or it, it, oh. it isn't deceiving us or lying to us. It's, uh, there is some truth in it. And of course, in, in way, it's managing their expectations as well as, well as, as, well as your own. And the film was selected for Sundance, which yes. is for an American um, uh, connected film, in, uh, independent film, is always the, the thing. If you don't get into Sundance, it's panic and all this kind of thing. So Yeah, actually, it also saved us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, would, again, maybe before... We, we will show the clip from the film, then we'll, we'll, yes. we'll get the questions from the audience. But maybe just to, to, to ask... The Sundance experience. One hears all sorts of real-life horror stories about directors going to Sundance and having horrendous times, and uh, and, and not not being treated as a as an artist or being treated as a commodity. I mean, how how was your Sundance trip? I'm guessing you had you, you were both there and you were both doing the whole Sundance thing. It's like a shopping tour. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's more like that, and it's not at the festival. I think the festival treated us very nicely. Mm -hmm. But the rest is just like a, a sales carnival yes. in a way. It's just mm. like for producers, it's a means of having uh, free PR, of selling the movie. And in return, you get like lots of goodies, goodies. and stuff. And it, so <laughs> we felt like really weird. <laughs> but like the girl in the film, she's like 11. She loved it. She loved it. She, <laughs> never, she had never been in anything like big. And she was there. And even in the blink of an eye, she was like completely... Newly dressed, like new jacket, new boots, new sunglasses. And I was like, huh? What, how did you do that? And she's like super quick with that. And she enjoyed it. So actually, the, the only thing we can say as, as directors is that, I mean, it's like a winter sports, like uh, like village. So it's like Schladming. And uh, they don't have proper cinemas or only a few of proper cinemas there. So we screened in the uh, uh, library. library. And it had such a bad sound, like uh, sound system, that we could not hear some dialogues, and so we were like sitting there, and and and, and the screen was very very small. It was uh, it, like to me, it looked like not a sc proper screen, but like a blanket, like they it put there. I don't know. It was horrible. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and it was horrible. Nevertheless. Yeah, it was I, like oh. this was. I th I thought if you're Sundance, it's like if you want to be like the most important art house festival in in the states, then you should have like like uh, quality in showing those films. So oh. this, I was disappointed by that. But. And did you take the chance to sort of do the whole thing of meeting? people for the next film and meet producers or was it do you focus on one project and then that's it you're there for the lodge and everything else gets blocked out i think we have like we have quite some projects yes. already and i think we don't try Need. to take on anything new so there is like a period piece in austria which is connected to the truth uh, and then there is the fortress one that we're writing for universal and then there are like one TV series and two other feature projects that somebody else is writing, and I think that's actually uh, <laughs> enough. It's <laughs> quite enough. Uh, Shall we see the trailer for yes. The Lodge and give yeah. a, a flavor of the coming attraction?
also didn't meet our expectations, the trailer. <laughs> we're very <laughs> mad with them and tried to make it slower and more boring <laughs> to reflect the movie more properly. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a theme here. <laughs> So, how would you feel about going to the mountains for Christmas with Grace? She really wants to get to know you guys. That's our mom's hat. Oh, I'm sorry. You okay? I don't want to leave you here with the kids if you're not feeling up to it. Uh, I'm feeling fine. It was my idea, and it's a couple days. I can do a couple days. Okay, guys, I'm off. Have fun. What is that? It's crazy. Everyone committed suicide except for her. Repent, and you will find salvation. Guys! Things are very uncomfortable between us, and we're stuck in a house together. Austrian release date for the film? When can, us, when can the local audiences see it? Yeah, there is no official release date yet because everyone's waiting for the US release date, which should be decided on uh, pretty soon. So oh. we have been discussing with them, and once that is set, I think all the other release dates will fall into place. But there but is a distributor for Austria, and possibly late this fall or closer oh. to the end of the year. And uh, the, the magical phrase game-changing uh, horror, so that the game has been changed by this film now. It's a different game. Uh, but you're following, it's a, it seems like a good time to be releasing kind of a good and classy horror movie in the, in the wake of It Follows and Get Out and Us and uh, Hereditary and A Quiet Place. I mean, is, is this like, you know, it's, it seems to be a perfect moment. Is that the way it seems from your perspective as genre fans and genre experts? Or do you think it's always a good time to release a scary film? Actually, I think you're right that it's for films like that, which are not pure horror, but also maybe more difficult than 
big studios would uh, would like them to be. I think it's a much better time than it used to be. Like um, starting from it follows Babadook and, and stuff like that. I think that really helped. And I mean, let's see how it turns out. But that those films get cinema releases and that they are like seen. That's uh, for sure a new development and one that we greatly appreciate because like films that are not so commercial and not so easy still find an audience and we believe it's no coincidence that it's like the horror audience that likes those films because like as Veronica said like um, uh, when we started this talk it's like the horror fans and the horror film festivals that really seem to be open-minded and open-hearted to embrace uh, films that are not the usual thing uh, that's why we're glad to be working in horror so like today actually i would mention the witch and it comes at night which is closer i think to our film than for oh. example babadook or something uh, so yeah these these are the, those were surprising successes uh, in a way because they're not so easy to watch yeah. or not and, and don't have like a big name yeah. big names in so like yeah. even even um, Riley was in hereditary as tony collette yes. and uh, yeah. And uh, six um, quiet place has uh, Krasinski yes. and Emily Blunt and people yes. like this, so it, yeah. it can help. So yeah. the omens are good. Let's let's, <laughs> let's keep our fingers crossed and our crosses upside down for the lodge. Um, so yeah, we do have time for some questions from the audience, and if there's anything you'd like to ask about anything, anything, yes. <laughs> We still, I mean, uh, and Timson kind of. Very interesting story. Yeah? Yep, and Timson just told us that the movie was already like um, existing, yeah. but that was the only thing that stopped us from really uh, working further on it because it we no like both stories. Yeah, maybe it's, it's no reason. Maybe it takes some time, and we'll we'll pick it up then. The other one is like, was the the talk the. But this doesn't exist. Actually. This doesn't exist. We, we That's wrote our it to him. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the Yeah, the cinemas like yeah, yeah. That's people Actually, hate people hate genre films set in cinemas. That's really uh, but I like. yeah. We love them as well. We love to watch them, but producers hate them, and yeah. it's like it's a worldwide thing. It's like over here they're afraid, and in the states the same. Because uh, we wanted to kind of uh, kind of put it in the Apollo Kino because it's so labyrinthic, obviously. And so we asked Constantin Film if they would kind of uh, kind of give us. The, we wanted to do it like like with a very small budget just to to do something. And Constantin said, "Wow, oh, no, there are there are people getting killed there. No, it's not. They are not going to give us the, the cinema to shoot it there. I mean, even like at night." Which so. is so weird because they show horror films. They show plenty of films where people are getting killed, and yes, then yes. they're like, "We didn't understand it." And of course, our like all-time favorite is. Um, Demons? No. Um, Demons fear. is another. Yeah, that's no, a good one. No, actually. but Taste of Fear? No, no, no. no, no, no taste of fear. Yes. Uh, someone. First one who gets it right. Uh, <laughs> Spanish film. Uh, and, uh, it's set. It's like in a cinema. It takes place in a cinema. And it has like double. Arrebato? Like, 
multiple layers of no Mat multiple layers of like reality because it first you think you're in the cinema but actually you you see the film then you're it's like it's Christ is Christoph Huber <laughs> in the house you would get it yeah but it, we are Something happy that he's fear. not here because Isn't he would be fear? very 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 it's angry fear. with us for forgetting the title mm. uh, and, and it will come back to us we do have uh, if anybody the next question perhaps <laughs> somebody has a question or a comment because we we do have to keep one eye on the clock if we do get out of the cinema I mean, there were a lot of kind of fights and struggles with the lodge. I don't know if there are filmmakers here, but it's like we had like we all we did. For example, we agreed like from the first moment on when when Hammer Film offered us the script, which we then rewrote. Uh, we kind of agreed on okay. We said we want to shoot on film, like on 35 millimeters, and they said yes, yes, of course you will shoot on film. So I, I spared the whole story like 10 days before, like uh, we, we also got a very good cinematographer. It's like a Greek guy who usually works with Yorgos Lantimos. So because we said, okay, not only that, that, not only because of that, but also because we said, okay, we are going to shoot on film. So 10 days before we wanted to shoot on film, they said, eh, you know, I think budget is like, it's, we are over budget when it comes to casting. And uh, so we are, we are afraid we, we cannot shoot on film. And so these are, those are these moments where you have to be very strong. <laughs> and so we actually, in that case, we said, um, yeah, then we are go not going to shoot the film. And they knew, okay. This is serious. So uh, we kind of managed to go through this. In other cases, of course, we had to comp we had to kind of um, yeah have compromises. But but the most challenging thing actually was to to find the the, the lodge, the, the main location, and it all started. Uh, you, I mean, in the script, there was it was kind of uh, a, a lodge in the middle of mountains. Like we always imagined the Alps, of course. <laughs> So then they kind of uh, flew us to uh, Montreal, <laughs> which has no mountains. <laughs> I mean, it was totally flat. So we kind of were there on a location tour and we said, okay, and where are the mountains now? I mean, we have never been to Montreal before, so I didn't know. Uh, so then we said, okay, no, we need mountains. Uh, so then they flew us to Calgary. So there were mountains, of course. Uh, I mean, great mountains. So we loved that place. And we decided, okay, here, there, we want to shoot the film. And so then they kind of came up with, no, this is their only three crews in Calgary. And Kevin Costner has taken two of them. I don't know. Yeah, so Kevin <laughs> Costner bought all the crews. Yes. He uh, and he never uh, filmed, uh, he never kind of shot he the film. It just, <laughs> they just kind of <laughs> make reservations in a way. <laughs> and <laughs> they pay them, yes. They pay them and you cannot. So whatever i don't want to kind of bore you so we came we, we got back to in december we did the we, we started like the plan was to shoot like 20th of january so in december we still had no lodge so we kept looking for a lodge so finally we found one like very up north six hours away from montreal and actually they never told us so we, we went there three times we discussed how to shoot it there it was a very remote place it was perfect Huh? Anguish. Yeah. Anguish is the title of the film. Anguish. Anguish. Yes. Oh. Um, so we, we <laughs> can. <laughs> I think it's got a more complicated title in Spanish. For sure. <laughs> uh, so we finally found it, and then they kind of actually told us the truth that it's not possible to shoot the film like money wise six hours away from Montreal because it costs to go there, it costs you have to kind of, you know, all the kind of. 
yeah, they have the, all the crew who needs apartments and the, the snow and whatever. And we've been in Romania and we've ah, yeah, been in I Utah. Forgot that. So we yeah, we started in Romania. Mm -hmm. I kind of skipped that part. <laughs> so, uh, so it was like then the 7th of January and we were supposed to start shooting two, week, two weeks later and everyone who knows what it means to, was heißt Auflösung machen, to kind of plan how like to like shoot it, like a shot list. We could, I mean, we, we started the shot list, but without the main kind of location, it's kind of <laughs> um, difficult. So, uh, yeah, so we actually, yeah, <laughs> actually at Christmas we, 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 we doubted that we ever going to shoot the film because we said, okay, if we have no location, we're not going to shoot that. I, I think the next the time we actually, we can... No, the the bottom line is, I think we told our agents, it's a very bad situation. Nothing's working out. Nothing's ready yet. We think we can't shoot this film. And they were kind of not only relaxed, said, but they were like... It's all normal. Okay, that's very normal. <laughs> and they hear like far worse stories on every single film. So I think actually we had, we seem to have had the best experience <laughs> like in the system possible. Um, we don't, I mean, we, we doubt that we would survive doing it another time like this, but yes. for US, uh, for US standards, it seems to be a pretty good, pretty smooth um, <laughs> shoot. I think we're, we, we are running out of time, but I will ask one last question, yeah. which kind of, You are in a unique position, or not unique, but a special position in that you have made film, successful film in, in Europe and a successful, we hope, film in, in the US, in North America. Um, as, as filmmakers, do you see yourselves moving between the two? Is it like, we've done that in North America, we want to go back to the European way? Or is it like, wow, that's how they do it over there and who needs the European system? What's your, what's your unique perspective on that transatlantic uh, contrast? we think it's whatever the film needs or the story needs it's not we would have never done a film like over there just for the sake of doing an english language film we would not like do the fortress for example um over there because we, we earn here. more money but because we cannot do it here because we don't have an ocean and we don't have a ship that's the main issues we have and if we want to do this film <laughs> we have to do it over there or at least financed from over there because it's more expensive and that's what we go for it's always for the movie and how to make it possible in a way and where to make it possible and we have to say the experience like i mean compared to austria um with the actors and actresses like of the lodge it, this was really very impressive i mean this was the We, we thought they would not, I mean, we didn't see them preparing. Obviously, they really kind of prepared everything, which is not that usual in Austria. <laughs> um, and this was one point. And the other point was the crew. I mean, if you want to have like special effects here, you have two or three people who do that. And you cannot, I mean, this is, uh, I mean, if it's really challenging, you always start from scratch with those things. And there, if it comes to, you have to have snow and you have no snow, or you have to, I don't know, you, yeah. They, I think they love the challenge in a way of finding yes. a solution. And in Austria, it seems to be the opposite. The first thing they tell you, no. there is no solution. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, we can't set the house on fire. We can't shoot your film. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm the one to tell you we can't make your film. And that's the special <laughs> effects guy. And then we're like, why is this guy telling us we can't shoot our movie? Because I think that's the Austrian way. And uh, there, I have to say, uh, there are not so many great things about shooting in the States or in Canada. But uh, there is the opposite. They're, okay, what do you want? We'll find a solution. And they do. 
and then it works. So that was really great, actually. Uh, yeah, I think we are out of time. Very sadly, we could be. We could. We, there's many, many more subjects we could talk about 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 stuff we haven't touched on. But the clock is our master, as always. Our expectations must follow that. Um, it just falls to me to say we really appreciate that you were able to come this afternoon and give us time because you're because you you're in the middle of promotion for this film, and every every second counts. So it's very much appreciated you were able to come and uh, support our industry uh, program here at uh, Vienna Shorts. Um, we look forward to the success of Detroit tomorrow and later at some uh, point to be determined, The Lodge. So please join me in thanking our guests today, Severin Fiala, Veronica Franz. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your questions. <laughs>